so a lot of people are, are suffering from the processing debris, really. Yeah. They're overwhelmed and uh, they can't process well. And I would say that's based on the, um, the modality that uh, what's being relied on is self-centeredness. Yeah? It's a very small modality of a mental process with self as the center. So you become the center of the universe. So everything comes to you and points to you. So that's a lot of information, a lot of stimuli, and a lot of meaning swirling around this one idea. And I don't feel people process well. So usually they turn into storage units, basically. They're sort of like walking around as a dead space. You know? We've got old regrets and resentments and other things that are running the show from the, from the dark, so to speak. And during the day, it's coming in, and the amount of debris and pollution that's being produced, something has to be something has to be done with it. So it's either stored or thrown out on other people, you know, or acted out upon, yes, or disassociated or denied. And none of those systems work. You know. the, the, the system to deal with the pollution produces more pollution. Yeah. So when the system that how it deals with an overwhelm produces a huge overwhelm, it just may it may be underneath the surface, but it takes maybe a whole life. Yeah, that whole part of someone's life gets shut down. It's like if you see the mind when something happens, and let's say there's a row of windows that let life in, and it wants to shut down one window, it shuts down all the windows, and it's very easy to shut down the windows, but it can't seem to raise them up again. Yes? So the, the system shuts down more and more and more and more and more. It's almost as if you're in a vertical coffin, in a sense, on wheels. You're really dead in some respects, and you're, you're super afraid of death. But you're really dead already, in a way. It's sort of weird, you know. <laughs> but, um, and I would say it's all attributed to the, the mind becoming identified with what it's not. Yes? Because if, uh, if everything is coming in and out of a very small point, it's a lot of traffic in that, yes? If there was a much wider lens or a larger opening, then stuff could move in and out more freely. Yes? Things would come and go. But if it's squeezing through a very small uh, hole, a very small perspective called self-centeredness, yes? So all this information has to be squeezed through this one little filter to make sense for that one little filter. Yeah? And then what comes out is just like regurgitated and then pushed out. This is about... And I find that produces a, a deep irritability, restlessness, and discontent. And like I remember when I came into recovery... Uh, someone after a few months, you know, actually after a few years, an old timer told me, you know, you're one of the angriest persons I've ever seen come in to the program. And yet if you would have asked me, was I angry, I would have said no. Because I had totally disassociated from the anger. But it didn't mean it was gone. <laughs> it was totally running the whole show, but I wasn't aware of it. Though others could see it from a mile away. Yes? This is sort of a, a non-solution by the processing. And that's just one example. Yeah. And so basically, it's almost like things become dead zones. 
And that space that's alive and vibrant and filled with possibilities now becomes like a storage unit. You know? And basically your drive is to know and be right, uh, which usually tends to make you end up alone <laughs> and right <laughs> yeah, yeah, on some deep level. <laughs> but you're right about being alone somehow. And uh, it just doesn't flat out work. And it produces dissatisfaction. And I'll tell you, you can pacify it, you can cover it over, you can you can paste some nice flowery ornaments on it, but the solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction in a sense. Yeah? And that's what happens. Uh, that that imperative isn't going to stop until it finds what it's really looking for. Yeah. It's not. It's just gonna keep seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking. And yet, it can't get out of what it seems to be in. Self can't get out of self. Yeah? And the solution to what you would call the dilemma of selfing or self-centeredness is not in the system of self-centeredness. It's outside the system. Yeah? So self can never transcend itself. Because the self, the feeling of being a self is produced by a mental process. Yeah? And what that, that product of a mental process can't transcend or leave the mental process. It only seems to exist in the mental process. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah? It appears to be real in that mental process, but not outside of it. Yeah? So, yet, when you're identified as that self, and let's say you're suffering from that identification as self, there's no you suffering, but there's suffering being produced by the mind being identified as self, the feeling that it's you suffering is there, and that's the product of selfing. You feel like a self that's suffering from self. <laughs> and so, of course, now the self wants to get out of itself, which ensures it being in itself for a long, long time. Because, the really, <laughs> if you really look at it, the only way you can have the experience of being in self is trying to get out of self <laughs> a lot. Yeah? It's the drive to get out of it that actually gives you the sense of being in it. Yeah? If you would, if, if, if it's like a predator and a prey in the jungle, you know, the predator grabs the prey and it's obvious you can see it. The predator rips the throat off the prey and it's clear. But in this situation, the predator has you by moving away. Yeah? By you trying to get out of self, that's how it seems to have you. <laughs> and so let's say you want to get out of self so you sign up for a two year class on obsession with self wouldn't that be called obsession with self yeah. and you can't get out of it no matter how many times you make a move to get out of self it's self and then self out of self and, self. and there's, the fence post is you <laughs> You're never going to climb over the fence because it would be a new setting of a new fence. Every place you landed would be the new fence post. And there's never going to be a point where self can get out of self and be a self. <laughs> That's why what's frustrating a lot of people is they're looking for the experience of their own absence, but they want to be there to have it. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you can be trying hard as hell to have the experience of your own absence, but you're not going to be there to have that experience. Yeah? Because your own absence isn't an experience. It's a fact, actually. I would say we're inherently absent as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's the good news. If it wasn't inherently so, then it would come and go. 
But because it never came, it doesn't go. Yeah? It's just a fact. You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's sort of like an absolute. Yeah? There's no like bargaining or, or you know, leg room or anything to move around in it. It's an absolute. Either you are or you're not. Yeah? It's not like, oh, I was a self, and then as a self, I gave up the self, and now I'm a non-self. Yeah? <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. Yeah? It would be self, self, self. It would be selfing, selfing, selfing. The selfing thought it was the self, now the selfing saying it isn't the self, and now it's, being, it's established in the non-self as a self. <laughs> so, it's really good if that can hit us, you know. Hey, self can't get out of self, because it really will, it will cut off a lot of trivial trying to get out of what you're not in. It really will. The mind's amazing when, it's, when it hit, is hit, like a Zen bitch slap. When it's hit by something that's so, it tends to respond in kind. It, it gets it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, you know. Oh, I'm not that. Oh, and then the mind comes out of that little selfing yogic posture, you know, which is the only asana it's in. It's a giant. It's a very complex yoga system with one posture, which is called self-centeredness. You know what I mean? It's like this. This is the only posture you use every day. But it's when you practice constantly. You're like an adept at it. And the class goes on forever. And you can join any time. Come on in. All right. So this, 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 uh, to me, this invitation is a way of beckoning mind out of that posture. You know? Hey, I may not be that. All right, let me check that out. For it to check it out, it has to come out of I, may, I, I am that which is why it's entertaining. I am this. For it's entertaining, I may not be this, it has to come out. And it doesn't come out as this. It unfurls out as what it is, which is mind. You know? Uh, infinite possibility. It comes out of this posture to entertain I'm not this posture. It doesn't entertain I'm not that as this posture. Yes? That's what happens when... when there's a description of what we would call the truth, and then the posture, this hears it. And now this, just like this, goes to the truth. And goes, okay, so this is the truth. I got the truth. And then, like this. No, this is questioning this posture. Yes? Hey, I'm not that. And then the mind, which is not this, it just seems to be this posture, comes out. Yeah? It comes out, and in the coming out, that's how it's revealed. You'll know it by its fruits. Yeah? It will expand. You can call it, you feel spacious, or your sense of presence, or you're available, or on this, or whatever you want to call it. But there'll be, you'll be attempting to indicate something that's happening. Not something that once happened, or that you hope will happen, but it's actually happening. And it's never not a happening. Yeah? So it's always, it's not in a solid, fixed position. Mind is minding, you know? Mind is... So it starts coming out to go, hey, I may not be that. And that verifies itself. It verifies its own entertaining, because as it's entertaining, I may not be that, what it's demonstrating is I'm not that. Yeah? I'm not that which is the yoga posture. And that's as far as you need to go. It doesn't have to say what it is because it's not able to be described. It just is. Yeah? 
And instead of have that urge to know, which comes from here, the urge to know, the knowing, comes from here. Finding out is what happens. Like in Zen, they would say a very high form of mind is I don't know. Very nice position of mind. I don't know. Because it puts you into a position of finding out. When something's found out, it's much more convincing. It's a much more thorough soaking. It's a much deeper dye job than knowing. Yeah? Knowing is like seeing the color blue. Oh, I know blue. But getting dyed blue is different. Yeah? Getting soaked in blue is different than I know blue. Yeah? In the state of finding out, you, that's how you know. And it's very, very convincing. So to me, it takes a form of like an unspoken yes that's constantly echoing. From the first time I heard it at one of these meetings, and it hit me, something happened, and it was like an unspoken yes, that echo is still going on to this day, right now. And it's never stopped going on. And I don't believe it started that time I finally heard it. I just think my ear was attuned to it, but it was always so. Yeah? Like Jesus says, for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. See, the seeing and hearing are busy in the slavery of being a self. When they're free, they see and hear different things. Yeah? They see and hear different things. So that unspoken yes is reverberating. It's not, a, it's not like a one-time only yes, and then that's it. It's like an unspoken yes just reverberating, reverberating, or an honest reverberating, reverberating or a sense of presence, reverberating, reverberating, or the, the shift of emphasis from thing to no-thingness, reverberating, reverberating, yeah? That's what it is like. The mind's emphasis shifts. The emphasis on a thing to other things from to no-thing, yeah? Self-centeredness is about thing to other thing. That's all it is, yeah? Thing to other thing. But the mind can shift to Emphasis on no thing, no thingness, which is presence, which is intimation, which is everywhere, which isn't located in any place and cannot be fixed by time. So the availability has a timeless quality to it. It doesn't take any time to get ready for it, and you can't leave it. <laughs> and it's an absolute condition. There's no wiggle room. There's no clause or exemption, especially for you. Yeah? No matter what heinous act you think you did, it doesn't exclude you from this club. <laughs> it's just what the mind believes. If the mind has requirements, then you'll live based on requirements. You'll believe, okay, I can't feel it right now, but I probably could feel it if I spend 12 hours meditating. So maybe you'll do 12 hours of meditation, and then you'll have a sense of it. But that's the mind playing mind, really. All this whole meaning message is really about saving time. See, because you're going to get full of, you're going to get tired of getting something your whole life, and you're going to realize that all the something you've ever gotten has turned into nothing. Basically, this is just about starting at nothing. Yeah? Start there. You're going to end up there anyway. You are inevitably. No matter how much some things you acquire, be it spiritual knowledge or material stuff or whatever, you're going to end up with nothing. Really, why not start with nothing? <laughs> Maybe if we reverse the process, it'll end up being a lot of something. Yeah? Yeah? 
Maybe if you just hold, if when nothing comes, let it be what it is, nothing, no thing, and then let's see what it does. You'll find out. And that's the most convincing scripture of all. Yeah? The most, the greatest verification will come from your own sense of what's happening here. You won't have to look for any higher authority. Yeah? For me, it was like the last answer. It was done. I didn't know at the time it was the last answer because I was in the business for look at looking for answers, yeah? But this one stopped me in my tracks when I heard this. It became the last answer until today. Maybe I'll get one later, but I haven't for a long time now, yeah? Because this last answer reverberates. It's living, yeah? It's alive. That mind, when coming out of that posture, that it's never, there's never a point where it's going to stop coming out, yeah? It's, it's, it's very, very expansive. The possibilities get larger and larger. The space gets larger and larger. The downloads get different, clearer and clearer. And there's no stopping it. Yeah? It's expanding to its right size, which is sizeless. But if there's that sense of being that posture, just like if, if you look at the ocean, yeah? the ocean, the idea of an ocean, they use it as a as a metaphor and analogy quite a lot in spirituality. And then they always talk about the wave, yes? And so the wave wants to know the ocean. Sounds noble, it does, yeah? And it, and it dedicates its life to be where the ocean is. It thinks it did something to be there, but it doesn't realize it can't be anywhere else, actually. <laughs> but let's just say it thinks it really saddled up near the ocean and it's very different than all the other waves, you know. They're looking at the shore all day. I'm into the ocean. And really, this is, I'm going I'm to have an experience of merging with the ocean, yeah, one day. <laughs> Not now, but one day. I'm busy being a wave right now. So, but let's just say, so there's that desire, yeah, to want to know the ocean. But because of the dynamic of believing it's a wave, that desire can only expand by a certain limitation. It can only be an experience, yeah? It can't go any farther than that. Because... The, the fact that's in place is that you're a wave, yeah? Which in that, it immediately separates you from the ocean. Yeah? Because you're different than the ocean. You're a wave. So now the wave wants to know the ocean, wants to merge with the ocean, wants to experience the ocean. But it may have an experience, but it's not going to be able to merge with the ocean because it takes itself to be a wave. So our approach is just to question the wave. I don't need to describe the ocean of bliss or anything like that. Because if a wave hears that, it's just a, it just gives another foot to the wave, really. It just makes the wave bigger. Now it thinks it knows the ocean. It's just crazy. Yeah? The wave keeps getting bigger with all the knowledge about the ocean. Yeah. I mean, so I'd rather cut that off. No more knowledge. No more knowledge like the soup Nazi, you know, inside the No more soup for you. No more knowledge. No more knowledge. Let's question... Are you a wave? Yeah. If you're not a wave, if you're not a wave, I'm not saying if you are or not, I'm saying if you're not, then what happens immediately? You're the ocean. It doesn't take any time, yeah? Because there's no transcending or transformation a wave has to go through to be the ocean. It is the ocean, yes? All it has to recognize is it's not a wave. Yeah? It doesn't have to recognize it's an ocean. Because it's, if it is trying to recognize itself as an ocean, it's still rooted in the foundation, it's a wave. Yeah? 
It may not see that. It may think, I, I'm the ocean, I'm the, it's like doing an affirmation. I'm the ocean, I'm the ocean. It's looking at itself in the mirror every day. I'm the ocean, I'm the ocean, I'm the ocean. But the experience is being translated as, I am, I'm a wave chanting that I'm the ocean, basically. And the wave will always be the imperative or the priority, yes? No matter what relationship you have at the, with the ocean, it will be the wave having it. So the wave will be the primary point, yes? But if you're not the wave, then immediately oceanness is there. Immediately. It takes no time whatsoever. There's no process to leave the, uh, the defined reality of wavehood to, be, to enter the ocean. You are the ocean. And it doesn't mean, and it's not like the feeling, all right, I am the ocean, but I was a wave. No, that's not the feeling. I am the ocean, and there was never a wave. That's more like it, yeah? And therefore, if there was never a wave, there never will be a wave. So, once the ocean is revealed to be you, that's that, yeah? No matter how much the mind starts waving, it doesn't make you a fucking wave. Because there's an absolute. Your ocean, that's that, yeah? But my mind, I forgot that I'm the ocean. That's a wave. That's a movement on the ocean saying it forgot me being the ocean. You're not that. Okay, but then I remembered the ocean. You're not that either. You're not the wave that remembered the ocean, and you're not the wave that, that implies that you forgot the ocean. You're an ocean, yeah? And there's no wiggle room. That's the beauty of it, yeah? It's sort of like being convinced, which is a great ability to have. Like in recovery, one of the main problems with people in, in alcoholism is they don't admit to their innermost self that they're alcoholics. And when you don't admit to your innermost self that you're an alcoholic, that you're this noun that you're afraid to be, you're verbing like crazy alcoholism. <laughs> you're totally a full-blown verb of alcoholism, but you're, you're denying that you're the noun. I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah? So the way we get around in recovery is you admit to your innermost self that you're an alcoholic. Once you do that, what happens? The verb of alcoholism diminishes in one's life. Yeah? And then we're adding a little further bit to it. So here, I'm denying I'm an alcoholic and alcoholism is rampant going on. My mind's totally taken over by alcoholism. But I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> That's important. I'm denying the noun. So I go, okay, I admit to my innermost self, hey, I'm a freaking alcoholic. And then a lot of heavy stuff lands on me. Yeah? You know, I've really done, you know, and all this stuff happens that you've been trying to avoid. And it doesn't stop there, though. So, okay, I am an alcoholic. And then the next little capper is, and I'm not that. Yeah? But while there's a denial of that, a mental denial, you're more that than you ever were or ever would be. Yeah? By the mental denial of it, you are more of that than ever. But in this way, it's a, like a holistic sort of denial. You allow it to seem as real as it wants to be. Hey, I'm a freaking alcoholic. And then you see it as unreal. But when your mind's trying to make it unreal, it's as real as it's going to ever be. Yeah? It's trippy. It's trippy. I've seen it a lot because when I was young, that's what happened. I got overwhelmed by things in my life. You know, my father and my grandmother died when I was nine, and they both, you know, both lived in the house. And I was just, my processing couldn't handle it, yeah? I mean, it just diffused the whole system. So, what I, something happened, the mind came up with a strategy. Man, I'm going to make stuff as unreal as I, I'm going to try to make it 
Uh, this is too real to me. I'm going to make it unreal. So I started reading a lot of science fiction and Edgar Allan Poe. Then as soon as I found alcohol when I was 12, that was a good way to do it. Then spirituality. I'll make things unreal by spirituality. I'll rise above it and become detached. And then, then uh, drug addiction, all of it. Like all these little methods to try to make what seems so freaking real to me unreal. Yeah? Then one day it dawned on me, I'm going to just let it be as real as it wants to freaking be. Yeah? And when I let it be as real as it wanted to be, it revealed itself to be unreal. The reality it had was that my meaning that I gave it. The mind was giving it a huge meaning by trying to make it unreal. Yeah? The same thing with all of this stuff. That fear of being the noun of something actually excites the verbing of it. Yeah? If you can say, hey, I'm a freaking fraud. It's like if you don't want to be a fraud, you'll feel like one thousands of times a year. Yeah? Every room you walk into, you'll feel like a fraud. Because you're afraid of being a fraud. Yes? It's the system. It's the way it processes. It doesn't freaking work. It's unreliable. It's an unreliable system, self-centeredness. It has failed miserably. Yeah? It's like a dead horse. It's time to get off and walk away. The dilemma with it is, the root of the problem is you're identified as it. Yeah? It's like when I did cocaine, and I did quite a lot of cocaine, I never became coke. Yeah? No matter how much coke I ever did, I never became cocaine. I, I, there was always a sense of, I'm different than cocaine. This, this situation, you're all, you start from identification. You're so past obsession, it's mind-boggling. You're identified with what the mind's obsessed over, which is selfing. You're identified as it. Yeah? So when you decide to leave it, who leaves with? Who leaves the self? is self. And we already talked about self can't get out of self. Yeah? So... It's like, when you're identified with what's driving you crazy, you're going to have to hunker down and be driven crazy. You have to maybe try to get therapy, make it a little less, get socialized, civilized, maybe you can learn how to go out without flipping out, or maybe have a month-long relationship, you know? Maybe your idea of success just gets smaller and smaller and smaller, because you're trying to tolerate something totally intolerable. Why? Because you're identified as it. And in that logic of that system, you can't entertain being free from it. You can only entertain being free as it. Yeah? And that's what most people are driven by. That feeling of wanting to be free becomes, I want to be free as this. Yeah? As this idea of being a self. That will never become free because the bondage is of self. Yeah? It's not you're bonded because there's a bad self or an unlucky self. The bondage is of self. When mind, no-thingness, becomes bonded to an idea of being a thing, that paradigm is the bondage. Yeah? It doesn't matter how great a self you become, it's still bonded to the idea of being a someone. It doesn't matter how bad a self you seem to be, it's still bonded to the idea of being a someone. Yeah? The bonding is to, to the idea of being a self. It's not the bad or the goodness of a self, it's the bonding to the idea of a self. So, when there's that identification, the mind identified in that position can't entertain being free from it. It can only entertain being free as it, which is another form of slavery called spiritual seeking. It's now trying to become a spiritual self. <laughs> how, does that, how has that worked for you? <laughs> really? 
How has that worked for you? When I read this article once in a Buddhist magazine, Tricycle, it was an incredible article. It was a small little one-page thing, but it was like a, a meditation teacher was talking about a lot of his old students who'd been with him for 30 years were coming around and telling them, hey, after these 30 years of practice, nothing really has happened. <laughs> and I was like, ting, put that book down, that's it. I'm not going there. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like a failed system to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I swear, it was like immediate. I went, what? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't think I'll invest any interest or attention that way. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was. It was like a sudden slap. And it was wonderful. It saved me a lot of trouble. <laughs> because what I noticed with all that stuff you don't see the template that's over all the activity, which is subject-object. You're doing something to get better. Yes? You are doing something to get better. Now change the some things and, get, and change the opinion, better or worse, but the you is the one constant in all of it. Yeah? The you. So no matter what you do or don't do, there's still the you. Yes? And it seems like none of it works but why look at, so let's look, if none of it works, it's like when I was in relationships with women and I did an interview, you know, like a little inventory once. Let's say I had 15 relationships and none of them actually worked well. And then I, I try to search, which is, where's, what's the one constant in all these relationships? You know what I mean? And then it dawned on me, it was me. Oh, oh, so maybe that's why they didn't work. I was blaming the 15 different women, but maybe it was the one constant in all of the 15 relationships. So, in all of these things that seem to fail, either slowly or quickly, there's that one ingredient, it's you, seemingly as the doer, yeah? Or the done to. Maybe if I go that way and look at that, and maybe if I'm not that, then that whole system of formulation could be dropped. Yeah? Maybe I could find a new formula. Yes? Instead of doing things as a form of discipline to get somewhere, maybe they're just forms of expression of where you're at. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe everything really can be used in certain two ways. From the selfish, self-centered way, it would be a means to an end. And from another point of view, it could just be what's happening. Yeah. In other words, you're a seat assignment where you're drawn to or whatever in life. And it really doesn't have a huge amount of meaning other than there's a, there's a mind involved in it, which is, I think, quite meaningful. Yeah? There's a value because there, you're there. Yeah? Whatever there is, there's a value to it because the seeing of it is available. Yeah? So, I found that one worked. When I took me out of the equation, then actually the whole mathematical system dropped. Because my whole mathematical system of life was based on the primary number one, yeah, me. And all the equations and formulas have that one primary number in all of them. And yet, there was a, it was very, very skewed up, you know. Two and two equal five quite a lot. There wasn't a really good rhythm to it, yes? And a lot of rationalizations for the failed theorems, you know what I mean? And blames and excuses. So, the, there was a lot of... Uh, <laughs> the whole system was a very screwed up system. 
But then when I entertain I may not be that one, and then that was replaced with zero, then it made sense, yeah? What seemed to not work started to work, yeah? Just with the replacement of the one primary number, from one to zero. Because zero really implies nothing, which everything comes from, yeah? If you put a zero be time a one, it's ten, yeah? That's sort of cool. So then life started to uh, play out, just like a lot of times people will see a saint, yeah? And they'll look at what he does or she does, and they'll try to duplicate what they do with the hope that that will get them to where they are, the saint, yeah? But the saint is somewhere, and that's just the unique way of that somewhere expressing through them. It's not a discipline to get there, it's an expression from there, yeah? It's really weird to make that mistake and think, okay, I'm going to eat their food, go there, do what they do, and then I'll get what they have and be what they are. But no, it's the being finding a form of expression, and it's always unique how it expresses, yeah? You can't, that's why there's no road answers at these meetings. You can't, people give me a lot of hypothetical scenarios, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say. You know? What would happen? If, they, if you were going through customs and Interpol pulled you over, and they, they put a big bag of grass in your bag, what would you do? I don't know. I'd probably blame Monique if she was near me. So who knows? I, could, I have no idea what would happen. Yeah? I'd have to find out. Because that's the whole point. That's the whole point of living. I haven't lived it yet. Yeah? It's living. It's an ongoing event. And the best way to travel, I find, it, is I don't know. Because then you're in a position of finding out. And also, in that space of I don't know, there's like a very uh, heightened alertness. Yeah? There's, a very, you're, there's an alertness to, to each moment because you really, really don't know. You don't know where something's coming from or what. It's beautiful because I've noticed when it started to take, uh, take hold of me, I would just look in a certain direction and see beautiful scenes. It would just jerk my head or I'd look up or something and then there'd be an eagle flying over or something like that. And it was sort of like something else was, was uh, running the puppet, you know, and just, all right, turn here, turn here. And, it was, and I was getting a lot of joy out of the visions that were being shown me that I would have never found craning my neck all day. I would have missed the moment, yeah? But I was just walking, suddenly I just, something moved me to go like that, and there was something incredible, yeah? And it's such a beautiful choreography starts being expressed. And you start having a little bit of a clue, in a sense, of the magic of it, yeah? The beauty of how things, like yesterday, my friend and I, we were going to a coffee shop right down the street. And so we're walking in the coffee shop, and suddenly this beautiful girl runs in and starts hugging me, which is quite, that happens quite a lot to me in every city I go to. But this was unusual because I actually knew her. <laughs> she, she runs in and she starts hugging me, and it's this lady I know from talks in San Francisco. I hadn't seen her in a few years, and she lives up here now. And she was on a cable car, whatever, and she saw us walking down the street. She got off the cable car and ran over now, if I would have sat down and put all my incredible intellect and all the possibilities from my little self-centered system, what could possibly happen to me going to the Dark Horse coffee shop in Toronto, that event would not have fallen into any of the considerations I'd come up with. Not. No way. If I had 20 hours or 20 years, it still wouldn't have think, oh yeah, this lady Allison, because I had forgotten who she was anyway, is going to come rushing off a cable car and give me a hug. Yeah. No. 
This is the beauty of it. Yeah. This is the beauty of it. It is, it's a lovely thing. A lot of people are afraid to be surprised, but surprise is a very nice state. Yeah? To be surprised is like childlike. Yeah. It has a good quality to it. And if you're waiting for life to pump something into you, you're missing the boat. You're the thing that gives everything the meaning it has. You are the beauty in which the eye beholds. You are that. You are the expression of that beauty. You are the deliverer of the beauty, and then you hide it in places, and then you have the surprise of finding it out. But where does it come from? From mind, yeah? And you are that mind. And there's a joy to it. And for me, there's like a natural response to, to uh, if I can in any way assist others to entertain it. It's just a natural urge. In a way, someone was talking to me the other night at this coffee shop, at this talk we were doing about ambition, and I said, well, that's the ambition that seems to run this life. Yeah? Even though it's not my ambition, there seems to be ambition that moves me, and that is to, to share this. Just like when we walked in, and you two people, it started right then. Because it's sort of like, I have to get pulled away from people when there's a certain desire for it. I mean, I was in Massachusetts. My handlers had to actually pull me away from people. He has to stop talking. We've got to go. He hasn't eaten today. And I was just, <laughs> because, you know, there's sort of an ambition in that. There's a desire to express because it's, to be touched by this possibility is to be the possibility. Yeah? You may only need to hear it for it to be entertained. You may only need it to come from an outside source for it to be entertained. The mind's ability to entertain is pregnant. It's already so. But it hasn't had this information to entertain yet. Yeah? Once it's given the information, that's it. It's like a spiritual subpoena. It's been served. Yes? It's a done deal. There's no turning back. When the mind comes out of that yogic posture, it very, very rarely returns to that yogic posture. It just expands, extends, expands, extends, expands, 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 expands. And there's no point where it stops expanding. That's called being. Yeah? It's being. It's beingness is expanding. It's space. Yeah? So there's a point of either self-centeredness or centeredness. The centered is the same. It's what the mind is centered on. If it's centered on self, It'll produce a whole world, a whole experience here, a whole way of life. If it's centered on centeredness, yes? If it's centered on nothingness, another expression of life will appear. Yeah? Another seed assignment will occur. It's all the same centered. It's either self or centered. Yeah? Centered in centeredness is we are always right in the center wherever you are. Self-centeredness, there's only one place, this. The whole universe is, is meant to fit around this one little place called Paul. <laughs> you don't know how small the world has to be to fit around this. It's a very small world. Very small when it's all about you. Very, very small. It's claustrophobic. You can't wait to get out. But you want to get out as self, and then never, you never escape. But this way, you fit around the size of, of life. Yeah. Your mind expands and keeps expanding. And you can't believe what it can entertain. Peace.
peace of mind. Yes. Brilliant clarity. A scene that would burn you up if you were looking. Yeah. If it was being received by self-centeredness, it would blow up the whole system. But it can easily be received when when it is centered. Yes. And whatever is received is usually given back. It's so beautiful. You have it by giving it away. That's the glory of it. Yeah? You can't privatize it. You can't own it. You can't claim it. You can't package it. You can't subtract it from some people and add it to others. You can't sell it. Yeah? If you have it by giving it away. It's a constant, constant having, giving, having, giving, having, giving. They're actually the same. The giving is the having. The giving is the having. The giving is the having, yeah? It's constantly, constantly, constantly cleaning through, cleaning itself in a way. It's like water that never gets stagnant because it's constantly moving, yeah? Constantly moving. As soon as it's diverted, yeah, by self-centeredness, as soon as life is not seen as happening but happening to you, then it becomes a pond, yeah? And if you ever seen a pond that's not moving, things land on it, and they don't move away, do they? So now it gets covered with leaves, yes? And after a while, you can't even see a reflection of the water. All you see is leaves. And they're not moving anymore. They're just dead, so there's a coating. And then other things land on that, that coating, yes? And more and more and more, and it gets darker and darker and more stagnant, yes? It's water, it's still water, but look at what happened, yes? It's like, what causes that stagnation occur. It's all you need to do is put a rock in water. Yeah? You put a big rock in water, it changes the flow of water. Yeah? Let's say I put a big rock in water, and now the water starts going around the rock, and it gets stuck somewhere where there's no flow anymore. And so what goes around the rock gets stuck, like a leaf, and then a branch, and this and that. And then from the rock's point of view, you think it's a real freaking drag. Why are these branches coming at me? Why is this leaf trying to get to me? But it's the rock that's causing it to go that way, yeah? It's sort of like a rock with barnacle. You want to get the barnacles off, it's very difficult because the rock's the perfect anchor for the barnacle. Yeah? You'd have to get a big plier and try to rip that freaking barnacle off. But what would happen if there was no rock? There would be no place for the barnacles to anchor. If you took the rock out of that water, the water would rearrange immediately. It wouldn't stay in that stagnant condition. Not for one second. It would immediately take its natural form. It would be moving, yes? It's not the water. It's not life. It's the rock. It's that, that fixed object called a self that causes all these currents of mind to coagulate around, all these winds of mind to coagulate around this one rock. And yet the rock feels like it's being buttressed and attacked and stormed by these these currents, but it's its own gravitational pull that's holding them in place. It's called self-centeredness. I'm telling you, if if this mind takes itself to be a self, then its interest and attention is going to be wedded to that. It's going to be very difficult to have freedom from thoughts when they're held as yours. It's going to be very freaking difficult. Because the yours of it is like a bonding agent. It's like injecting tons of meaning to those thoughts. You don't have any immunity. Just if you sat next to someone else and you could see what was driving them crazy was their thoughts, no matter how close you were sitting next to them, you would not pick up the insanity. 
it wouldn't be a contagion. You would have total immunity to them. But the same thoughts, if they were happening in this head and you were held, they were held as yours, they would have an effect like they are having on her, on this. Yeah? It's not the thought. It's the mind. It's the gravitational pull. It's your interest and attention yeah, is wedded to things, things are thoughts also, and feelings, by the mind. A feeling is a feeling until it becomes my feeling. Then, then it's a whole giant row of feelings with tons of thoughts traveling along with it. Yes? As soon as the my is entertained, this, this thing that this represents, this idea of being a self, is tons of tons of old ideas. Yes? Tons of beliefs, tons of concepts, if you want to call them karmic imprints. And they, then they inject into whatever is claimed. So let's say there's karmic imprints about a body. They're injected into my body. M-Y. My body. Karmic imprints of our thoughts. That's all injected into my thoughts. Karmic imprints about time. I'm never going to have enough time. I'm never going to get to where I need to go. I'm always going to be uh, imposed on by time. That gets injected to time by my time. My time. In other words, the my is the bridge for all these meanings of this mental system called self-concernedness to find expression here, yes? By claiming what it comes in contact with. But it isn't, it isn't what's in conscious contact. Consciousness is in contact. Consciousness is in contact here. Not the mental process. The mental process is the narration of conscious contact from the point of view of being a self. Yeah? So everything I'm in contact with, it's I'm in contact with. There's not an awareness of the I as consciousness, it's the awareness of the I as me. Me, Paul. I'm Paul's in conscious contact. Paul who is Paul's the thinker. Paul's the seer. Paul's the hearer. You have to see it. That is the constant application of the bondage to self. Without conscious contact, there would be no awareness of being bonded. Yeah. Conscious contact is pure, pure being. That's what's going on. Consciousness is in contact here. But the idea that I'm the one who's in contact is a mental hijacking. Yeah? It's, it's saying something that's after the fact tries to put itself before the fact. And now is the doer of the fact. I'm seeing. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. I'm tasting. I'm touching. I'm thinking. I'm doing this. I, I'm the doer of all my actions. We have a great example in recovery. It says in recovery, hey, we're powerless over alcohol. So it's sort of like if you're dancing with a gorilla, you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Yeah? Yet, the self-centeredness is so strong, after years of being just taken over by this parasite of alcoholism and then doing whatever it was, it was motivated to do through you, you still take yourself to be the doer of it all. You're still entertaining all the guilt and shame that can only rest on that branch of personal doership. You still believe, against all evidence opposite of that fact, that you're the doer. Even though you were totally under the influence of something, that you were going to do anything you needed to get more of it, you still keep taking credit for being the doer. This is called self-centeredness. Yeah. This is the bondage of self. It's not something that once happened, it's an application. That's all it is. 
It's the mind applying it all day. It's like, it's, it never sets. It's a glue that never sets. It just sticks. It, but it never sets. You never are a self. You never will be a self. You will never be able to become a self. The glue will never set, and it will be so. Yeah? I am a self. But the constant application of the glue, glue makes it seem like it's set. Yes? It makes it seem like it's so. It makes it seem like it's so. It appears to you to be so. It isn't, but it appears to be so. But for that to occur, because it can never actually create the bonding, it has to be applied all day. Why is it that the mind is obsessing all day over it? It has to. There has to be an application of the glue. So by sharing about what we're not, it's the hope of just tickling that mind in that yogic posture for it to entertain. Hey, come out. Yeah? That's the message. Mind comes out of that posture. And then when it starts looking at it, it says, I'm not that. And if, if it gets fortified, I never was that, nor will I ever be that. And you don't get fooled by movement anymore. Because you're resting in stillness, yes? The stillness of an absolute state. That stillness gives you immunity to movement. So you're not going yes and no, close and far. I got it, I lost it, I forgot, I remembered. Then I forgot to remember. And on and on. All of these movements of mind in this little tub of content. You're in the sense of the context, and the context will never become the content. And the content will never transcend being a content to be context. It's realizing you're not the content. That's context. Yeah? And when you realize that, you never were the content, nor will you ever be the content. No matter how much the mind makes it seem to be so, you're not that. Yeah? And then it stabilizes here for you. It's already stabilized, but... In your experience, it will stabilize, and it will be reliable, and your mind can finally rest in something reliable, and you will show the effects as this action figure. It's just like if you took a, let's say we had a pot here, and we had a rose in there. The rose has the potential to bloom, but it's in a very small pot, doesn't have good soil, not getting any, any water, not getting any light, but the, the rose is self-centered, yes? So the rose... It's noticing it's not blooming, and it thinks it must have done something. I'm a fucking bad rose, you know. I knew I shouldn't have done that when I was young. You know, I screwed everything up, you know. I could be blooming like everyone else, but because of me, or them, which is just a, a me called a you, you know what I mean? I can't do it. But what would happen with all that yapping, and it can have total, total conviction it's right about its condition. But if you just take that rose out and put it in a bigger pot, yeah, with good soil with water and light, what's going to happen? It's going to bloom. Why? Because it's a rose. Yes? This is the same thing. Right now, the mind is resting on a very unreliable system called self. Self-centeredness. It's failing. Not just you. It's just failing. The feeling of it's you being failed is the product of the system. That feeling of being a you. Yeah? It's just a failed system. All we're doing is questioning that. 
We're not trying to go over everything and let's make it better or let's try to avoid what's worse about it. Let's just look at the center. Are you that? If you're not that, what would happen? The whole center, I found, collapses when you pull the, the centerpiece out. It loses. What happens is your interest and attention loses interest and attention in all that baloney. It really does. And it now starts being directed by some other force, I would not say called self-will or self-centeredness, and it starts enriching you like where it used to uh, drive you like crazy, seemingly. Yeah? It's the same energy. It's just now being directed by another center instead of self-centered. And you'll be the expression of it. Any questions? Yes. Earlier, when you were talking about the way, probably talking about the way all the time, in a, in a way, but uh, you mentioned that we're, we're uh, the new beginning of being of nothing. So I was kind of uh, playing with the, uh, the waves going back through the ocean, which it always would, having its identity. Who 
who thinks it knows that it came from nothing is going back to nothing? <laughs> I think you know it's more than enough just to be here. Really, I mean this is a this is a this is a, a lot to chew right here. <laughs> let let nothing take care of itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just entertain it. See what happens. Yeah, it's already gotten in. Yeah, you've gotten bit by the bug. So you'll probably go to see a lot of different people and you'll hear a lot of different things. And then, in a sense, like, you know, my situation is I'm meant to be obsolete, which looks like it's happening quicker than I thought. (laughs) But I'm meant to be obsolete, really. Really, It's a bad career choice. It is, because... I feel like I would do you a disservice if I gave you a lot of filler of things to do and everything. I like to just leave nothing with nothing for a while and see what happens, yeah? But, you know, whatever's going to happen, you're going to have a little course of events occur, yes? And then it's sort of like mind unfurling in time. Have fun with it, yeah? And, And please, like, we have a rule in AA called Rule 62, which is says, don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> the most serious you can take yourself is being you. <laughs> that's the most, that's extreme seriousness <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah? But you're in good hands, man. You have the light going on. You, your mind's excited, yes? It's got a flavor for it. Just follow it. It'll take care of itself. Um, you know? Like you came here because you had a little bit of a thing. You'll get fed and more and more, and you're in good hands. Yeah? I have total faith in mind. Total faith in mind. All it needs is a little bit of an em- invitation, and every once in a while, maybe through repetition and catalyst. Yeah? So, like, our cars seem to die, but they just run out of gas. So, you drop a couple of drops of gas in the carburetor, it starts right back up. Yeah? You don't want to pour tons of gas in it, you'll flood it. Just a little bit of a drop. So a message, I feel, and an invitation can be repeated quite a lot. A giant dissertation, I'm sick of hearing it, maybe the second time. But a message and an invitation can be repeated quite a lot. Yeah? Because it's just putting it in, putting it in, putting it in. And it's like the mind, the conditional mind's like a lazy Susan, in a way, swirling. And they have all these slots, yeah? But you don't know which one is going to bypass the the selfing and get right to mind. So you just keep putting the same invitation in the slot. And sometimes there'll be an aha, you know, get in there, an unspoken yes and everything like that. And that's it. That's bingo. Yeah? Once it hits there and that mind starts entertaining that I may not be that, it's that's the that it's out of the that yogic posture of selfing. Yeah? And now it may, as an expression, take time to fully form out here. And that's sort of fun. Yeah. So you're in you're in good hands, I'd say. Not with me. You're in terrible hands with me. Oh, God. But I mean, you know, you will be in good hands with someone else.
And then we can fill up time by sitting quietly and looking joyously at each other. Joyfully, not joyously. I have to practice up on that. I think I'm going to add that on. I haven't. I usually didn't. I never like to sit quietly. Uh, I don't know why. I think there was just a, it smelled of something for me. I didn't want to have that in the process because it, it gives it a sense that it's sort of special. You got to do something. That's why I like just to walk in and. It's not like I've got a, It's not like I'm like my friend works in the corporation world, and they when they she does a talk, they have a like a, 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 a get ready room. They all get they go in the room and they go over their notes or their PowerPoint presentation. So they get ready. They're in the get ready room. So for me, it's like uh, what is it? Get ready, set, go. <laughs> so I bypass the get ready, set, go, and you just hear. <laughs> seeing it, it'd be nice, because one time we were here like a year, a couple of years ago, and the people that were here for three days, it was very, it got really juicy at the end, and I remember it opened up, and I was sitting here at that last day, and uh, there was an invitation to go, but I may not have come back, you know, so I sat here and I realized, you know, this, this, the, the real transcendence is here, not going into the space, this is the space, yeah? Just as it's appearing. It's the last place you would look to transcend this place is being in this place. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the last place to look, but it's really the place in a way. Just to be here. Yeah, like normal dog shit awareness in a sense. Just being on. It doesn't have to have any regalia or special looks or anything. It's just just that that common, seemingly unimportant, just everyday awareness is really the, the gift. That's the beauty. Most people would see it as nothing. That's why it's so valuable. Like in Tao, you know, the Tao, they always talk about the wood that isn't picked for furniture is the most valuable wood, right? No one sees any value in that piece of wood. That's its value. Yeah. The mind, the conditional mind, doesn't see value in it. I can't make this into something. That's its value. That's, the, that's like the Tao. That's like the message. The message is nothing. Yeah, it's it's something the mind would overlook if it was in a store. It really would. It doesn't have any whistles and bangs, and you don't get like a some stripes on your jacket, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. You know, it's just. But it, that's its value. Yeah, the conditional mind doesn't see any value in it in a way. That's its value. Because the conditional mind, if it thinks something's valuable, it'll claim it. It will claim it, claim it, claim it, claim it. And it's very difficult after the fact of claiming. It's nice to see it before it's claimed, yeah? To see its movement to claim and realize I'm not that. But once it claims, you're now usually dealing with it as you, as a you. It's ridiculous. You're already in the, like the Chinese thumb thing, yeah? Oh. Seriously, yeah. you watch it. But the seeing is the context, yeah? Seeing, or let's say if you want to call it onness or awareness or consciousness, yes? I don't like to use it consciousness because there's a lot of different kinds of consciousness. There's animal consciousness, human consciousness. Sometimes the, the level of consciousness or the spectrum of consciousness is defined by how the awareness is moving through, what it's moving through, the body and the, let's say the brain, 
the brain is very well developed, so it has a larger spectrum of consciousness than an animal brain, so to speak. Yeah? But let's say onness or seeing. I like to use the word seeing. Seeing is the contextual state. Yeah? Seeing, there is awareness and nothing beyond that. Yeah? Everything else is content to that. But you'll never make that content as a context. You can never become a context prior to this context. You are that context, awareness, yeah? So the seeing is in every moment of this and that, yes and no, close and far, I'm doing good, I'm doing bad, I'm, you know, whatever. Every moment, every moment, there's one neutral condition, which isn't a condition, which is seeing, yeah? After a while, that has a very big impression on mind. You realize that's the only constant that's ever been noted here, is the seeing of everything, yeah? And the seeing doesn't blink, it doesn't look one way or the other, it doesn't get uh, distracted, it doesn't have, it's just, that's its nature. And it's totally reliable because of that. It's not a seer, and it's not a seeing, it's seeing, seeing. It never becomes a seer, and it's never been seen, it's seeing. Yeah? It's just like, what is hearing cannot be heard, what's feeling cannot be felt, what's seeing cannot be seen. Yeah? It's beyond. It's beyond our recognition. It's beyond our embrace. It's beyond our tinkering. It's beyond our co-opting. It's beyond, beyond, beyond. Now, why would you, in a sense, if you had a, if it came to investigation, why would you claim to be something so after the fact from seeing than the seeing itself? Why would the mind want to take itself to be a thing when it's truly no thing? Yeah? Why would it want to be here and instead of being the dreaming, being, uh, take itself to be a dreamt object? to be able to be affected by everything else that's being dreamt. When it could sense that it's the dreaming, yeah, which would give it immunity to all the dreamt tigers and all the dreamt situations and all the dreamt tra tragedies and all the dreamt everything, there would be an immunity from that, but never as the dreamt object. Yeah? In self-centeredness, mind is resting on it being an object. And everything that's been dreamt, like in The Course in Miracles, it says, a beautiful statement, you and I are dreaming, yeah? We forgot we're the dreamer of this place, and we've given everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. As what? Not as the dreaming, but as the dreamt object. Yes? In other words, here, I hit this, it hurts. This is an appearance, and this is an appearance, yes? But can this appearance hurt this space? Can I grab this space? Can I punch this space? Can I tear it apart? Yeah? I have no effect on this space. In the, from the space's point of view, I am not real. I have no effect. None whatsoever. But I have a huge effect on appearances, and appearances have a huge effect on this appearance. Yeah? Fucking hurts. Yeah? Yet I have no effect on the space. It's like this, like if here's this chair, you take this chair, and let's say we've been, a lot of important asses have sat in this chair, you know? It's been here many years, he's had this, many teachers and 
pseudo teachers and inviters and male people have come here. And they've been st- speaking from you. <laughs> yeah? And so you see the chair, right? You see the chair. Yeah, you see it. Now, what happens if I move the chair? I take this chair, put it here. And let's say I take, put it out of sight. The only way you now see the chair is by memory, right? You don't actually see it, but you have a memory of seeing it. Yes. Now, let's look at what, what did the chair affect in this situation? It affected what it was rubbing against, yeah? And let's say it hit the wall, and maybe there was some marks on the wall. Yeah? And when I moved the chair, did I have to go to a closet and get space to fill up the space the chair was taking up? Like, I have, I, have this, I have this model chair, and I have a, I carved a certain amount of space to fit this one. And so when I took the chair, there was a void. There was not even space there, because the, cha- the chair is real. It must have been real, yeah? And so when I took it away, there was a big emptiness caused by the reality leaving, yeah? And I rushed and put the space in. But no, the space was always so, Yeah? In a sense, you could say the chair is appearing in the space. That's a clearer description of what's happening. It's not taking up any space, did it? No. I didn't have to call, hey, get the space movers over here. I gotta move the big couch today. We need some space, you know? Quickly. I'll get sucked into the vortex of the void. Please, I can't. No! So So here, you have this here, and so. Basically, it was an appearance in the space. Yeah? Now, okay, let's put the chair back. And yet, you know, it has an effect on other appearances. Yeah? Yeah? But it doesn't affect the space, right? But it affects. Yeah? All right. So, now I sit down. And truly, what's the difference between me and the chair? I'm an appearance. If I walked away and you didn't see me, the only way you'd be able to see me is by remembering me. And when I leave, you didn't have to rush in and have a size, you know, 6'2", thin space to put it in there, like a magician, before anyone noticed. Paul's missing. (laughs) There's an absence there, where Paul was. There's never an absence in space, because Paul wasn't there, really. Paul's an appearance, yes? Just like the chair. And as an appearance, it can be affected by other appearances, and it can affect other appearances, which is you, right? But I can't have any overall effect on space. So this is sort of like mind. Mind is like the space, or let's say in Buddhism they call it open sky mind. Mind is like open sky. Everything can appear in it, but nothing that appears in it affects sky, yeah? You have 4th of July explosions, they don't rip the sky open. They don't. So, in a sense, what's, I would say, what's real is the space, actually. Not what we're taking to be real, which is an appearance in the space. Because, basically, when I move as this real thing, nothing actually changed. (laughs) Nothing happened. The space that was the space is still the space. There isn't any more or less when I come or go. Yeah? And all of my rantings and running around and all of my meaning giving and all of my incredible relevance here really hasn't left nothing, no moths on the space. I could go to my hometown where I did the most heinous act and there's no mark on the space where I did it. None. 
There's no way I have any effect on space, really. <laughs> now, if you see that, if you had a choice, which would you rather be? I don't know. It seems to make sense to me. Why would I want to take something that is totally irrelevant and has no reality whatsoever, just an appearance? Or maybe I'm what I'm a, what this is appearing in. What? Maybe I'm that. Maybe I am that which this is appearing in. Instead of being this, for it to seem to be real, has to deny all that. Maybe that, yeah, doesn't have to deny all this. It just realizes I'm not that. It's not a denial of it. This is manifesting. It's appearing. But I'm not that. I'm this. Yeah? I am the space in which this place appears in. And this hasn't come, or is it going? It's not going. It's not moving up and down. It's not affected by circumstances. It's pretty reliable in a sense. Yeah? Because it's undeterred and unaffected by all those shifting and movements of appearances. Yeah. So, sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah? I mean, I, if this was really great, I probably would maybe still be obsessed with it, but it's, I'm getting older, and it's, you know, all the illusory balloons have been popped, pretty much. i got nothing really to hope for. Oh, someday someone will realize I'm special. Oh, oh great. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, if you're not that, when you walk away, you'll never look back. You won't look. You won't live on fumes of hope and expectations. Yeah, a specialness never really arriving, but always hoped for. You know, all of that, all of those phantom mental carrots that drive our seeking to keep on going in this little time conveyor belt, trying to take everything to be so real. You know, it sort of loses any glamour in a way. You lose interest in it, and your attention goes. I say back to its source, which is no thingness, right? And when it lands on no thingness and that becomes its emphasis, that interest and attention, when bonded to the idea of self, which was really the glue to your obsession, becomes abiding in the truth. That's what it is. You abide in that truth. You rest in that place. And it's the interest and attention that weds you to that, just like it was wedding you to the idea of being a self. Same interest and attention, just freed up and directed by something other than self-centeredness. Yeah. So we'll take a break. Yeah. You want to sit quietly? We'll rock it into the fourth dimension. <laughs> I like that idea. Yes. One question. Um, it's not really a question, but it's and it's probably my mind at work. But if this is so, and it's always been so, and where is it that we are not in so-ness? Like, why? In Who says we're not in so-ness? Yeah. It can look like you're not in so-ness in so-ness. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not in so-ness. It just looks like you're not in so-ness. But it needs a you for that to seem so real. See, the you is the main ingredient. 
We don't take it to be an ingredient, we take it to be real. But it's an ingredient in the whole mix. Without the you, there, a lot of this shit wouldn't fly. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> where does the you get started? Where does it get started? Where start? does that all start? Because it's like... I would say it starts in a mental process, Bill. You didn't have it when you were a young baby. No. So it, obviously it grew. Yeah? So a process that wasn't processing began to process. At some point in what we call our evolution as well, a body. It seems to be a natural human experience. Well, it seems to be an experience here. Yeah. So the selfing starts becoming dominant, let's say, yeah? And so now the mind falls under the, the idea that it's a body. And then it is, starts assuming that, and that becomes its point of reference from then on, yeah? And then a huge story is told from that point of reference. And that story is being told in the head, the narrator, yeah? Yapping, yapping, yapping. And now you tend to walk over distance through time as an action figure going through your trails and travels and troubles and everything like that and your noble, heroic events and your cowardly little behaviors and stuff like that. You know? So it's split into an either-or, yes or no, a dualistic-like expression. Like, if you ever see butterflies? The wings are the same. They look like they were stamped and then they open up. But the, both the patterns are perfectly the same, usually, a lot of them, yeah? So it's dualistic, everything like that. So... This thing, this life now becomes yes or no, this or that, getting higher, getting lower, closer or farther, yes? This is like the binary system of the dream, yeah? So the mind's dreaming, and it's dreaming the, um, the story of being a self, yeah? And then some people have the story of realizing they're not a self involved in this. And some people have the story that they're not a self, and they try to be a not a self as a self in the dream. And there's all variations, but it's just mind riffing. It's just like if you went to a jazz club, and let's say John Coltrane was still alive, and you walked in the club, and John Coltrane was there, and he had played his set, and he was just taking requests from people. So you would say, okay, John, can you riff on separation? And so he would start playing tunes to represent separation, yeah? Like he'd go on off, but it would be a theme of separation. And then the same theme we'd return to. So let's, what, is, what do you think mind is like? Yeah. So you give mind the idea of separation. Well, what can mind come up with? Oh, well, you'll see. Well, I could be the source of love and feel like I was never loved in this life. Oh, that's a pretty interesting experience that can only come from a sense of separation. Let's riff on that. And like so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's mind, like, doing its stuff. You gave it an idea to entertain. I'm a self. All right, let's see why we can do with that. All right? Heaven and hell, good and bad, sure, let's go. Yeah. It'll have to, be, have to be an incessant obsession because it's not so. So we constantly have to keep displaying the image on the screen of mind. So it's going to take a lot of artificial mental light, which is thinking. And can you handle that? Oh, yeah, I, I want to be special and right. Okay. You're sure now. You can back out right now, but as soon as the movie starts, you'll forget that you're the dreaming, and you'll be the dreamt object, and there'll be no out then. If you try to get out, that's being in. Oh, okay, I'm signing up. I, got, I want to be special. I got a feeling I'll be different than this movie. Okay. And then you're in now, you're taking yourself to 
be the Jeff Dobson one. What? 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 You know?
but they're synonymous, the same mind dreaming. One will affect the other. Yeah? If you're not a you, you'll see, you'll be unbound by time. And you'll see the thought system is all about time. The thought system cannot rest here because it's comprised of there and then. It cannot rest here. It cannot rest in what you call the now. It can't. Because it's not the now. It never will be the now. It's there and then. It's about giving meaning from an impossibility called the past and an improbability called the future and drenching it in now. So that the now goes unnoticed and all the shit posted on it, all the meanings, I gotta get there, I should have done this, I, blah, 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 blah. all these notices all about you, all the bulletins, all the special, <laughs> special, <laughs> I'm announcing, I'm announcing I woke up or whatever, all of that is all posted on the space of now, all about you and there and then. Yeah? The thought system is all about time. Check it out. Watch it. See what the thought's like. See where the value is on, in the thought system. The value is not of here. It's always about there and then. Yeah? You're much more concerned about how it will be and how it was than it is now when the mind is navigating life for you, the self-centeredness. It's the whole system. You can see its structure. And then and just by seeing its structure, you see its failedness. You see it. It's a very small system. And it's archaic. And it doesn't work. Yeah. For the mind to rest on that, it produces anxiety and, and agitation of mind. So that's what all the seeking is about. Mind can't rest in this false identification. It gets agitated by the false identification. Yeah? It's constantly seeking because it needs relief because there's an irritability and restlessness and discontent that it's resting on as... Yeah? This isn't going to change, no matter how much this seeks. It's not going to get out of this. Self can't get out of self. That's the solution. The solution is it's an imaginary problem. That's the only solution that's worth its salt. Because it doesn't take any time to apply it. When you see something as imaginary, there's nothing that needs to be done. That's a timeless solution. Yes? If it has no substance, what are you going to do about it? If it's, if it's not happening, what more do you need to see? <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, I've got to study what's not happening. Why? It's not fucking happening. You know? Wait a minute, I want to go over it again. <laughs> no, it's not happening. Let's move on. Well, but I'm only going to move on to something else that's not happening. <laughs> Yeah, now you've seen the nature of mind, conditional mind. Yeah, that's what it does. It moves on from what's not happening to what's not happening to not what's not happening to what's happening to it actually convinces this moment in mind not to be happening. Yeah? All of the obsession with what's not happening is to block out what's happening. Yeah? Because in what's happening, your emptiness is revealed. There is no self. In this moment, it's constantly revealed there is no substantial Paul. It's constantly revealed. It's obvious as hell. But it isn't obvious to he as hell when the mind, the thought process, is what's guiding us, yeah? Because the thought process avoids this moment completely by being obsessed with there and then. Yeah. Using this moment to think about there and then all the time. 
Because here, right now, there is no evidence that you exist, obviously. Is there? Do I feel like Paul right now? <laughs> I can, I'd, have to, I'd have to conjure up a memory to believe I feel like Paul. Where does the memory come from? The past, yes? The only way Paul can be conjured up in my mind is by memory. If I sat here, there's no evidence of a Paul. What I'm sensing doesn't imply a Paul whatsoever. Yeah? I'm sensing, I can feel the energy move through the limbs. I feel a pulsation going on. There's a brightness in the room. Yes? Where's there a Paul? The Paul is conjured up by the thought system through memory. And it's pasted here to blind us from what's happening and believe it's happening to us. And it's having, it's doing that every supposed moment, putting your little happy face on it, <laughs> and then getting obsessed about that. <laughs> because what's revealed in the moment is you're inherently absent. <laughs> there is no Paul or Joe or anyone else. It could be scary, but only to a you. It's really like a hallelujah to mind. Sure, really. It's like a long-lasting fucking choir-like hallelujah. It's like the Beethoven's Ode to Joy, going on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> hallelujah! Yeah! Seriously. And there's no looking back. If you look back, you get drawn into it again. I can't leave myself behind. <laughs> I'm going to wait until I get it. <laughs> Let it go. It's a dead horse, man. Get up. Get on a live one. So, that's it for today. Until later. Hey, thanks for coming today. I would have had to been talking to myself. <laughs> which has been known to happen. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> We have another meeting, but we're going to go out to eat. If you want to join us, somehow we'll work it out, right? We usually just go down the street. And then we have a meeting uh, at 3, right? 2, 2 o'clock. And then uh, tomorrow, the same thing. Come one meeting or whenever you want to. I'm not a real believer in a lot of meetings, to tell you the truth. That's the hard thing. But, you know, there is bills to pay and there is things to do. And people do believe the more, the more time invested, the more you get. I'm not a believer in that, but and I can't find I can't come I can't come up with fillers, you know. I remember I went to see this guy when I was younger in Australia. This guy named Barry Long, right? He was supposed to be somebody, I don't know who he was. But he 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 specifically worked about relationships and I got involved with this lady and I think this lady was like foretelling a future dilemma. So she wanted me to see this guy to start softening me up to believe in the idea that relationship is a great spiritual path, you know? So that I, I could stay with the shit if it got really shitty, you know, whatever. It's a noble endeavor or something. So I went, and we paid money, 150 bucks. That was up on this Gold Coast, in the East Coast of Australia. And we got there around nine, 10 o'clock. And so we walked in, and there was about 15 minutes of announcements about the day. And then everyone sat for 30 minutes, quietly, together. And then we came out of that, and then someone came, and there was more announcements, and then we had a, a coffee break, like a tea break, yeah? 
no, no masses to be seen. So, all right, so we went like this. So then we came back in, and again we sat for another 30 minutes by ourselves. And then Kamor announced it, and then it was lunchtime. And I still haven't, I thought I'd paid money to see this guy, but we haven't seen the guy yet, you know. And he's probably sitting in the back drinking a latte while we're all sitting there quietly. I could have done that with my, you know, at my house. So it went on like this. We come home from, back from lunch, and I don't see the guy until about 2.30. And then he only comes out for 50 minutes, so I asked for my money back. I said, I, you know, this, so I have a bad taste about filling the time up, yeah? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I've gone to places where I, you spend a lot of money, but you're really usually sitting quietly by yourself, you know, <laughs> in a group of people. Why would I want to pay someone $400 to, like, supervise that when they're not even supervising it? You know, they're somewhere, they could be off gambling. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah? So it's a hard, it, get, it goes against me. So these days like this, get, this is my story I'm telling you. But the days when it's packed, you know, doing a lot of talks gets to me because I'm probably going to really lose a lot of my career right now. But this is a, a message. <clears throat> it's very quick, yeah? And it's actually of a timeless nature. And it's about <clears throat> entertaining it. You've already received the subpoena, yeah? And we'll, do a little, we'll deliver another one later. And we're all delivering it. It's not just me. It's the energy of the room, yeah? And, and that's nice. That will work. But at a point, it's not more is better, yeah? It's about just letting it get in there and then doing nothing about it. Just like I use the word entertain because it captures the feeling for it of me. Entertain would be sitting in this room and I'm just entertaining the space of the room. Yeah? I can't really see it, but I sit in here entertaining it. Yeah? And that becomes like a habit in a way. That's what it's like for me, this information. It comes in and I entertain it. I let, in other words, I let it stay as it is, as it was delivered, and I don't, and I don't immediately jump on it and make it into something. I attempt not. Or whatever does jump on it, I'm not that. Yeah? Just let it go. And then it takes shape. I don't give it a shape. It takes shape, yes? I don't give it a shape. It takes a shape. And it doesn't have to be constantly supervised or re-engaged. It needs some breathing room sometimes. It needs to, like a lot of people are off to the next big thing, yeah? In a way, it's nice just when something hits you, let it reverberate for a while, sit with it, and don't try to apply a new and better message or another type of message. Just let's let the one salve, because if you put too many ointments on, you don't know which one actually healed the rash. You really don't. You can't. You put so much stuff on, if the rash is healed, you can't. It could have been this, it could have been do, 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 do. Yeah? But just let it on, let it in, sit, and then, uh, and, and to let the mind entertain it, entertain the possibility. And mind can entertain unbelievably. I'm telling you, I've seen it. It can entertain. I could sit here and entertain that there's a hole in my sock, five out. I could go home and, it, like I shared yesterday, this was a big event in my life. I was in school when I was 11, and a girl said hello to me in the hall, and I went home and wondered what she meant by it for about five hours. It was a huge event. Does she like me? Doesn't she like me? What is it going to... You know, my mind just went bananas, thinking, 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 what it could possibly mean. She just said freaking hello to me. It was one event out of a million events during that day in school. But for me, it was, yes, that's it. This is more about 
just letting it in and letting it do its thing. Yeah. Have faith in it. It's not a failed system. Yeah? It doesn't, it's not fueled by resentments and blame and excuses and rationalizations. It isn't. It doesn't have any big advertising because it is what it is. Yeah? Give it some credit in a sense, you know? You don't have to keep pumping up. Come on, get bigger, get bigger, faster. I've got to have it now. No, 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 no. You, know? you may really enjoy it as it just sort of dies you from the inside out. Instead of constantly applying dye. You know, let it die you from the inside out. It's already in. You know, like we say in recovery, trust the process. Don't leave before the miracle happens. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, we'll take a break, yeah? And I probably won't see any of you back now. I've had that disclaimer. That's why I need, like, a business manager. I do. Now, we love disorganization. If any group gets too big, something happens, if you notice. Have you noticed that? With certain things.